imagine, if you will, that famous scene in the 1952 film Singing in the Rain, when Gene Kelly, Debbie Reynolds, and Donald O'Connor are dancing and singing in the streets of Paris while being drenched with rain. That word drenched is a strong, emotive term, and for most of us, it can conjure up a mental image of that time we got caught in a downpour. Taylor Swift recently did a music video that's a pretty clear reference to singing in the rain with some drenching. Similarly, the word slather conjures up a mental image of how your mom may have really coated your face with sunscreen before a day at the beach or pool. There was an Australian comedy skit TV show called Open Slather in 2015. You can see all the episodes on YouTube. But I'm not really sure why slather is in the name of that. Oh well, they are worth a watch anyway. Another word that conjures up a mental image is doused. That's a good word for that bizarre tradition of pouring a bottle of champagne over the head of the winner of a car race. It seems like a waste of good champagne to me, but I guess it's part of our culture. So these words, drench, slather, and douse, work well for giving us a visual image and for conveying a sense of something extreme or excessive in terms of a dose. These are useful words for that purpose, but unfortunately, words like this can be misused. They become a form of big little lies. And as anyone who is a fan of that HBO drama can attest, what seems like a little lie can quickly snowball into something truly damaging. So on today's episode of Pop Agriculture, I want to talk about how these and other potent emotive words are used in a manipulative way by the critics of agriculture or by those who don't actually know it very well. When you hear and read descriptions of modern, conventional farming from some food movement or pro-organic sources, they will often maintain that farmers drench, slather, or douse their crops with chemicals. I suspect these words are chosen to be intentionally emotive and scary. Are those sort of visual dosing images appropriate? I would argue that no, they are actually really misleading. So let's start with drench. If you get caught in a sudden thunderstorm, you might be in that rain for long enough for a tenth of an inch of rain to fall. Now, on an acre of land, that brief window of rainfall would deposit 1,700 gallons of water. So when a farmer applies pesticide to an acre, is it fair to say that he or she drenched the crop? Farmers typically spray pesticides diluted in water as a way to spread out the dose and get good coverage of the plant surfaces they're trying to treat. But in the case of a a row crop that isn't very tall, that might mean 5 or 10 gallons of water per acre, in which there might be maybe 2 quarts of actual product. In the most extreme case of an old-style fruit or nut orchard with like 20-foot tall trees, the grower might use up to 400 gallons of water. Nothing like the 1,700 gallons in a drenching rain. Again, remember that what the farmer sprays is mostly water. But even with that, drench isn't a very good way to describe that treatment. So what about slather? I've seen that used quite a bit by critics of farmers who claim that farmers are slathering their crops with pesticides. Okay, so say that a hyper-protective parent 
puts a half an ounce of sunscreen on his child's face. Now, a human face is about 57 inches in area, so a slathered sunscreen dose comes to 0.009 ounces per square inch. Well, that doesn't sound all that heavy, but if that sort of dose were slathered on an acre of a crop, it would represent 54,000 ounces. Now, most agricultural products for pest control are applied in the range of 3 to maybe 64 ounces per acre. That means that the term slather is an exaggeration by a factor of somewhere between 850 and 18,000. Now, petroleum distillates, which is essentially mineral oil, is an organic-approved pest control product, and it's just about the highest use rate pesticide ever applied to a crop. And it would be used at something like 1,792 ounces per acre. Even that doesn't fit the emotive term slather. So how about doused, like what happens to the winning race car driver with the traditional champagne thing? Let's say that half of the 750 mil bottle goes on the driver's head. So that dose would represent something like 16,148 gallons if it happened on a whole acre. So to douse an acre of a crop to the extent that we do for race car winners would require 81,494 bottles of champagne. Wow, it seems that douse is a pretty misleading way to describe a crop spray. So the next time you read or hear about how farmers drench, slather, or douse their crops with pesticides, just know that either that source doesn't really know how agriculture works, or they're intentionally trying to manipulate you with this emotive language. Even counting the water in which the products are diluted, what really happens on a farm isn't nearly as dramatic as sometimes portrayed. Like Fleetwood Mac's classic Little Lies goes, tell me lies, tell me lies, sweet little lies, but oh no, you can't disguise, when you do the math. There are a couple of other emotive, image-generating words that get thrown around a lot in discussions of modern agriculture. One is corporate farms, and the other is industrial farming. While these words might not generate as specific a visual image as drench, slather, or douse, they tend to ask the reader to make a negative association. So let's start with the corporate farming epithet. Corporations tend to be associated in our minds with greed in cases where profit motive overrides ethics. I bet the 1987 movie Wall Street just came to mind. Even if you were not born when this movie came out, you've probably heard references to the line, greed, for the lack of a better word, is good, spoken by Michael Douglas's character Gordon Gecko. His character was meant to embody all that's bad in big business. While there have definitely been some examples of that nature, it's kind of unfair and accurate to say that this image applies to all corporations. Even so, it's completely irrelevant to farming. Detailed census data collected by the U.S. Department of Agriculture documents that 98% of U.S. farms are either family-owned operations or perhaps set up as a family trust for tax purposes. There are some major farming operations owned by groups of investors, but that's mainly true in the specialty crops like fruits and vegetables, not in the big corn belt crops that are most commonly referred to as corporate farming by food movement spokespeople and, and other writers and activists. Honestly, 
the level of economic risk and limited upside potential of a farming business is completely incompatible with the way that most corporations think and function. And I don't think any publicly traded corporation would try to sell that kind of risk-reward profile to its shareholders. By its very nature, farming is almost only compatible with brave, independent family ownership. Industrial agriculture is the other pejorative term that is frequently hurled at modern farming. Even though almost all the products we buy in modern society are made in efficient industrial settings, we seem to have a nostalgic longing for some imagined pre-industrial utopia when it comes to our food. You often see this on the packaging side of food marketing. Consider a, a bag of bread from Trader Joe's, which is one of my favorite stores, by the way. It shows someone hand-cutting the wheat with a scythe. Okay, that looks comforting to us, probably because we've never had to do a job, anything like that. Of course, the grain for that bread was harvested with modern equipment of the type that has allowed our society to go from 95% of people working in agriculture to one where only 1% to 2% feed the rest of us. Nostalgia is nice, but trust me, almost no matter what you do as a career, it's preferable to being a farmer or farm worker in the good old days of farming that's often romanticized by marketers. Now, the truth is, lots of modern American farms are large and highly mechanized. That kind of farm accounts for a substantial percent of total production. The terms corporate industrial might seem like they would apply to something like a 10 or 15,000 acre farming operation. But as I've mentioned on the podcast before, when I've had a chance to go out and interview exactly that kind of large scale grower, our meetings are almost always at the kitchen table or maybe an old desk in the back of the tractor barn. These seemingly huge farms are definitely still family operations. Often where maybe one member is farming full-time, one member of the family, but some relatives might come in to help during a really busy part of the season. Yes, the reason that a family can run a huge farm has a great deal to do with machinery, but that does not make it industrial in any connotation of disregard for the environment or sustainability. So I guess the takeaway I would hope you might get is to be suspicious when you hear or read someone who throws around emotive words like drench, slather, douse, corporate, or industrial when they're talking about modern farming. At the very least, this might not be someone who really knows farming very well, and it might be that somebody has an agenda that justifies in their mind the use of misleading terminology. These big little lies about agriculture don't really serve anyone's interests. And to be a savvy consumer and uh, citizen, we need to watch out for this kind of manipulation with emotive language. You can follow me on Twitter at GrapeDoc at G-R-A-P-E-D-O-C and visit my blog at www.popagriculture.com.